come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they uh, be come to search out all of the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, and when the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up onto the roof of the house, and hid them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. The men pursued after them uh, the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they were pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. You came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven and earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will all show, show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And that ye will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, and my sisters, and all they that have and deliver our lives from death. The men answered her, Our life for your lives, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be that when the Lord hath given us the land, that he will deal kindly and truly with thee. Notice in verse 15, if you will, Then she let them down by a cord through the window. Go with me to verse number 18. And behold, when we come into the land, Thou shalt bind this scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. In verse 21, And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Amen. That's all I want to read today, and that is a little more reading than I normally do. But I felt like the Lord dealt with us talk to us today just, amen, concerning these verses. I know probably what some of you are already thinking. You've heard this story time and time again. But please, folks, never allow the Word of God, even the simplest of the passage of Scripture. As our brother talked a moment ago concerning Job and those familiar old text and those familiar passages of scripture, please never allow them to become the simple story, a pastime, a thing that was, maybe a thing of our youth, but let it be renewed day by day in our life. Let us keep the word of God forever near our heart, no matter how simple that it is. 
But I felt like that the Lord dealt with us concerning this service today. Joshua, the son of Nun, had sent out, as we all are well aware, amen, he sent out two men, and they are to spy secretly out the land of Jericho. By now, most of us who have been acquainted with the Scripture any length of time at all is aware that God has a desire. He has delivered His people from the Egyptian bondage. Now He is bringing them in the direction of a land that we know He has called the promised land. It has been God's desire to bring them into this land to segregate them and bring his people together to segregate them from other nations, driving out those that are before them and bring them into this land that flows with milk and honey. I believe, as the writer has said, if the Lord has spoken it, amen, then it will be so. I stand on the promises of Christ our Savior. I still believe that he is a rewarder and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But Joshua sends in these two men to spy secretly out the land, saying, go and view the land. And if you have been acquainted with the scripture any, at any length of time at all, it is very apparent by now that God has begun to bring his people into this land that is flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Moses, their leader, their deliverer, and their savior has died. But God has chosen his his successor and Joshua will follow in his footsteps to continue to lead his people in the right direction hallelujah and so they are sent to, to spy out the land and even Jericho the Bible said and when they were come into the harlot's house do you understand that this name Rahab was well known throughout all of the city and all of the land of Jericho she was no stranger in that land. He meant well acquainted with many passerbys and those. She was that woman that we know of, of ill repute, that woman that had the reputation that many would shun and pass by on the other side of the street. But the Bible said that they come in into Harlot, into Rahab the Harlot's house, and there they lodge. Well, it doesn't take long for rumors to start getting around. You all know how that is don't you I mean listen folks you can say something over here and before you know it it'll be all the way over here you can say something in this state and the next thing you know it it's all the way around the globe and usually by the time it gets where it's going who knows what's going to be said but all oh, news travels so rapidly and all of a sudden I'm talking about before radio I'm talking about before modern day technology there was no small stir in the city of Jericho but rumor has it that there's some strange men in here that's making their way around the city and the king of Jericho became well aware of all of the happenings that's taken place amen because of the God of the Hebrew I want to tell you folks God's people is no secret to this world amen we might feel like that we're just in some small corner and that we're being overlooked and nobody knows who we are. But could I preach and tell you this morning, amen, that God knows who you are. He knows where you're at. And 
when everybody knows who you are. Amen. Hallelujah. We are a threat to liberalism. Yes, sir. We are a threat to the nominal church today, friend. That's why that there's much talk that goes on about who God's people are. Listen, I must hurry on. Let me hurry real quickly to where I need to be. But the time comes that rumor has it that there's some strangers in our land. And while they're roaming around the king of Jericho, his knees smite together. And he realizes now we've heard of all of the happenings of the Hebrew nation. And now they have come into Jericho. Somebody said they saw him going into, into the harlot's house. Well, let's send over there and see if we can find out anything thing from her and so she gets in there they get they knock on her door they come and press this woman about these two men and the bible said by now she has hid them and said thus there came men unto me but i went not where they were and it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark the men went out and i really don't know where they went Amen. I don't know, but if you will pursue after them quickly, most likely you can probably overtake them. Oh, yes, but she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order up on the roof. And the men pursued after them by the way of Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued them went after them and they were gone out, they shut the city gate at that hour. Now I want to preach to us for just a few minutes this morning if the Lord would help me for just a while concerning this harlot, Rahab. And I want to preach today on it's not a waste. It's a way out. If you'll help me for just a little while. Amen. How dare God to pick someone like Rahab. Amen. To work his divine plan. Oh, how dare him to do such a thing as that, brother, brother Lamb. But you know God has a way of just doing things, amen, that's out of our control. God has a way of doing things that's beyond our comprehension. But how dare him to choose someone like Rahab to fulfill his perfect plan, amen, for his people. And furthermore, how dare this Hebrew writer to overlook men like Jeremiah, Isaiah, and some of those other men of renown. And all of a sudden, this harlot Rahab finds her place within the hall of fame of the heroes of faith. Amen. How dare someone to do such a thing? Oh, but isn't it just like God to choose those that are less likely to succeed when he told a man that he was going to multiply his seed and make his seed as the sand of the sea? Amen. How, I mean, how strange a thing could it be for God to give him a barren woman? Amen. But how much greater is it for God to open the womb of a barren woman and let her bring forth seed. Not only the seed of a generation, but the seed of generations to come. Amen. Tell me who but God can do such things as these. You might be chosen less likely to succeed. Amen. You may not be the camp meeting preacher. Amen. My friend, that's on deck for the next meeting. But I'm saying tonight, God can take you. He can take something 
something. Amen. He can take nothing and make something out of it. And that's what he did with every one of us here today. Stay with me now. Amen. So how dare them to use such a woman of ill repute. But he did anyhow. Amen. And what did you do with those men, Rahab? And she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them among the very things, amen, that, that she would use to save them. Now, I want you to stay with me this morning because I feel like I need to preach to us here. Notice the Bible said that she hid them among the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. We all know that flax was used, amen, in ancient times to make linen. We all know if you studied the Bible, amen, any length of time at all, amen, the fibers of this flax stem is the most ancient of the textile fibers. Amen. The making of linen in that day was common around the household. It was a household chore in Bible times. Oh, yes. Do you, do you all remember reading in the book of Proverbs in chapter number 31 about that virtuous woman? Amen. What did she seek after? She sought after war and flax. Her hands were not idle. He meant not at all. The linen making process, my friend, involved pulling and drying those flax stalks. And those stalks were dried where? He meant mainly on the housetop. It wasn't an uncommon thing in that day for houses to be built in large cities. And they would build an exit door on the top of those houses. The reason being they were built adjacent one to another. And if there was an enemy that came in and invaded the city, they would exit out to the top of that house. They would run across from one rooftop to the other. And they would make their escape outside of the city wall. Sound like pretty good engineering to me. He meant long before the age of teaching in this hour. Sound like somebody had a good thought process. But they would take those, he meant those flax stalks up to the top of the house. They would spread them out oftentimes so that they would dry quicker. He meant they would take them up to the top of the house and there they would deceive them. They would soak the fibers in water until they were loosened. They'd take them back up, lay them out to redry them again. He meant then they took a hackle or a comb, if you will, or in ancient times many of them just cut out notches and boards and made long teeth so that they could send he meant that, that teeth down the stalk of that fiber and it would separate the fibers one from another and they would loosen those fibers and all that was left would be the inner core he meant further common would cleanse and it ordered the fibers so that they might be spun into what we know as thread but do you realize to the wealthy merchant do you realize to that man who was more interested in gaining material gain that the initial fibers of this flax stalk he meant was more valuable to them 
and it was more sought after. Of course it would be. He meant it was more valuable. The remaining sort of fibers. He meant the short and the broken pieces. It is what we know as called the toe. He meant was used as a coarse fabric in that day. It would make twine and they would make ropes out of it. He meant and cords. And not only that, but sometimes the waist or the toe was used for lamps. He meant for the wick and especially the toe because it was very flammable. He meant, but do you understand to the wealthy? He meant to the hierarchy and to those that were looking and seeking for much gain as far as this world's concerned. Do you understand that that toe was considered as worthless? He meant it was a waste. It was of little value. But do you understand that there was somebody that could see the value in the thing that remained? Do you understand when Christ spoke to the angel and told him to talk to the church that we've read about in the book of Revelation? He could have cut them off and suddenly without remedy. But what did he do? He said, strengthen the things that remain that's ready to die. Aren't you glad today, friend? He meant that when some view it as a waste, he meant that God sees it. He meant not as a waste, but a way out. You might as well let that crowd die. You might as well consider them washed up. You might as well consider them a has-been. But I'm glad today, friend, that God saw something in me when nobody else did. When I was considered a waste, I'm glad that God has used me to be a way out of the darkness to many who were lost and in sin. Listen to me this morning. Let me preach here. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, so she gathered that waste, brethren, and she worked it together gently, patiently. I don't know about you all, but I can just tell by reading this. This is going to take some time, Brother Compton. It's going to take some patience. But we're going to need a light. He meant in darkness. Listen to me this morning. We're going to need some strong cords that can be bound together. Do you understand that a threefold cord is what? It's not easily broken. Listen to me this morning. He meant she hid them in the very thing that she would use to save them. I understand more now why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O God. I kind of like living like David, and I like living a sheltered life, for he hideth me under the shadow of his wing. Ah, listen to me. She hid them among the very thing that she would use to save them. I want to tell you what these preachers have been doing this week in this meeting. We've been trying to hide you among the very thing 
that'll save you. Brother, listen. We're all judgment bound. We're going to answer to God. We're going to stand before him one day. Amen. We're going to need a savior. I've got him now, preacher. Amen. I'm going to need him then. I'm going to need him on that day. Oh, let me hurry here. i got to hurry. She hid them in the very thing that she would use to save them. Oh, yes. She said to those men, she said, Look, I've been kind to you all. I could have turned you over to the authorities. They would have hung you out to dry. Oh, hallelujah. Can I be... Amen. Real plain here for just a few minutes. There have been times. Amen. I said there have been times when I was worried and I fretted. Amen. I realized that things could have been different than they were. But oh, hallelujah. The hand of the Lord put on strength and he knew where I was. I must hurry today. Oh, yes. I could have turned you over to the authorities, but I've chosen not to. But I tell you what, fellas, it's very evident that your God has been a deliverer to his people. He has pulled up that that's been planted. He has annihilated and destroyed. God has so deemed it. And he's going to bring to fruition the very thing that he has spoken. There's nothing that can hinder because God can work. Yet God can hinder. He meant and none can work. But be that as it may, I know that tragedy, I know that this city will fall like those around us and those before us. Amen. But listen, I want to strike a deal with you. Amen. I've showed you kindness. I've worked with you. Amen. I could have thrown you to the dogs. But I want to tell you, all I'm asking, I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for a plot of land. I'm not asking for a parcel. I don't want to be in the wheel. Don't worry about an inheritance. All I want to do is, is that when that time comes, he meant some small token. He meant the very thing that you use to save them will be the very thing that becomes her token. Hallelujah. Ah, help me here. Amen. Hey, spare my father's house. Spare my mother, my brother, and my sister. And the Bible said that she let them down through the window. Amen. For her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. There was reasons for that, but I'll move on hurriedly today. Amen. And those men said to her, Amen. They said, Thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. Amen. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of the house into the street, his blood's upon his own head. 
but they that abide in the house, even they'll be saved. And she did according unto your words. Amen. She said, so be it. And she sent them away and departed. But what did she do? She bound the scarlet line in the window. I want to preach to us this morning, friend. Amen. To a lot of the world. Amen. Rahab was a waste. But God used her to deliver not only two of his men, but to deliver a nation. If God can use a woman of ill repute, how much more today, amen, can he use us? I know that there's an enemy. I know that he's constantly breathing down our necks. I know that he's constantly reminding us, amen, that I'm nobody and that I'm a weakness. But could I tell you today, Satan, amen, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Amen, there wasn't no fire escape. There wasn't no ladder rail. There wasn't no stairwell. Amen, but there was a wasted substance and God used it to deliver a nation of his people. Stay with me. Stay with me. I must go on. Amen. It's not a waste. It's a way out. She could have kicked that. She could have swept it across the floor and said, let somebody else deal with it. But the two old spies and to the nation of the Hebrew, it become a way of escape. Listen to me. Let me hurry this morning. I must preach on. Some years ago, I remember going to church with a man who lived in Saltville. Brother Rodney, I call his name. You know who he was. But he served during the time of the Vietnam conflict. And he was sent over into South Vietnam to pull a tour of duty that would forever change his life. As his company landed in that area to fight against, amen, those Vietnamese, he said right off the bat, we engaged in heavy, amen, gunfire. He said, I watched men in my company die by the untold numbers. He said, I remember Brother Mark getting sick at my stomach, trying to fight. He said, you couldn't eat. You couldn't sleep. He said, you'd go for days. And he said, man, you were just so restless and on edge. He said, the slightest jerk of a twig. And he said, you were on your feet with eyes. He went like telescopes. And your finger on your trigger, weapon in hand. And he said, day after day, he said, we exchange heavy gunfire. And he said, our men died by the untold numbers. But he said, there was one man in our company. And he said, he was a black man. Amen. And he said, I could not stand him. He meant because of the color of his skin. Could I preach and tell us today, friend, it's not the color of skin that's killing us. It's the color of our hearts. Whether you agree with that tonight, today or not. Oh, yes. Amen. But he said, I hated him because he was a black man. And he said, furthermore, he said, I hated him for another reason. He said, every time that we get into heavy, he meant gunfire. He said he was always on the back line. And he said, others were dying around us. And he said, I made up my mind. The next time I can get him out, 
in front of me. He said, I'm going to draw back even if I have to. And he said, I'm going to kill him. And he'll die from friendly fire. Oh, help me here. Do you know it's a shame that some of our people have died because of friendly fire? Even I know you ain't never done it. Amen. But look at the eyes of this holiness preacher this morning. I have. I have. God have mercy on me. Amen. But he said, I waited. And he said, I never could get him out in front of me. And he said, I hated him, Brother Nathaniel. He said that I hated him more every second. But he said, one day, he said, there was gunfire all around us. He said, they killed off every man in that company. And it looked like I was the next man. But he said, Brother Gary, from out of nowhere, a man from out of nowhere, he said, I heard a gunfire repeatedly. And he said, those Vietnamese begin to drop one right after another. And finally they scattered and ran. You want to know who it was? It was that old black boy who said they said was worthless. It was that old black boy that they said was a waste. I want to tell you what he was to that brother that day. He wasn't a waste, Brother Compton. He was a way out when others wanted to discard him. He came in just at the right time. He meant, listen, brother, there may be somebody who's not hitting on every cylinder. There may be somebody who's not marching right in time. But God help us today. He meant to see the potential. Don't sweep them off the floor and throw them in the trash can. Pick them up. I say pick them up and use them for somebody a way out. Hallelujah. I got to hurry. How many Philistines, brother Gary, how many Philistines passed by and looked at that old rotting jawbone of an ass Huh? Can I preach a few more minutes, preacher? I said, how many Philistines walked right on by? Help me here, boys. Amen. And said, what a waste. Praise God. And they passed by on the other side of the road. I'm not stupid. I realize that that priest could have paid a great price. Amen. If he had become contaminated. I'm not stupid. But they passed by on the other side of the road. Amen. They saw that rotting jawbone of an ass. But in Samson, in his time, in the greatest time of need in his life, brother, what those Philistines had deemed as a waste, old Samson got to looking around, and he saw that jawbone, and he reached down, brother Compton, and he picked it up. Do you know what happened then? I said, while others looked at it as a mere waste, he met Samson, saw it as a way out, and he slew how many? A thousand Philistines. I want to tell you today, brother, he 
Amen. God's got everything under control. You might be sweating it today, but he's still in control. I say, brother, what we're needing is to realize the potential that God has given us. act like, oh, yeah. I read where there was a, a ship. And that ship was sailing toward, amen, some reefs. They'll eventually get to the island of Melita. Come on now. All of a sudden, they sound a fathom. How many was it? 20. And they sounded again. Hey, fellas, we're, we're 15 now. We're closer than we've ever been before. Oh, man, they get all shaken. And Paul said, I done told y'all, just stay calm. I've been pastoring long enough, Brother Howard. I know how it is when people lose their temper. I know how it is when people are shaken. And sometimes folks will say, how do you stay so cool, calm, and collective? Somebody, Brother James, got to hold this thing together. Oh, Paul said, look, fellas, you're about to do a foolish thing here. The angel of the Lord told me, amen, that if we don't abide in the ship, don't bail out of this thing. Stay in the boat. If you bail out, we're going to die at sea. All of a sudden, that ship landed on those reefs, and it sounded like a bomb went off, and it went into a million pieces. Hey, hey, hey. But what in the world is floating in the water? Amen. While others looked at it as a ruin and a waste, Brother Compton. Hallelujah. God said, boys, there's you a way out of here. Hey, man, that old boy grabbed that board. Someone broke the pieces of a ship, and they made it all the way to the island of Melita. You hear me this morning, brethren? Hey, man, listen. God has got a way out of this thing. you realize that you may be aboard you may be a broken piece but to somebody brother Mike you are invaluable Woo! how dare you how dare you God to use a harlot great God of heaven I've walked the streets and witnessed to harlots I've pastored a few that got right with God who made the greatest witness that you could ever ask for. Hallelujah. I pulled my gloves off a long time ago. Hey, hey, hey. I've got my hands dirty and I've won a few to the kingdom of God. Do you realize this morning 
that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities, powers of darkness. We're wrestling, Brother Perry, against things that we can't see. As our brother was saying, we can't see, we can't, but we feel, we know it's there. We're wrestling against that in this hour. And many times I see people, amen, I said I see people who become weary and worn. Do you realize today to the nominal church, amen, yes, we are greatly despised. We are looked down upon. I have had men that said to me that you have a burdensome doctrine. No, sir. Amen. I have a way, a truth, and a life. Hallelujah. Y'all helping me while I preach here, ain't you? Hey, hey, hey. I told you that the wealthy was more interested in those long strands of fibers, those that could, could be quickly generated, that could turn a quick dollar. Amen. But to the poor, it was the means to keep the light on. He meant in a lamp that was running low on oil. He meant to the poor, it would work good enough to stake down a tent. He meant to tie out an ass. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Yes, sir. And for two spies, it was good enough to set the captive free. Hallelujah. Do you understand? He meant there was a rich man in the Bible and there was a beggar and the beggar all that he asked for was just the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. He meant to the rich man, Brother Metcalf, it was a waste. But to the poor and the needy, it was another day of life. I want to tell you, yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never be mine but I'm going to live for now God you helped me to this point you brought me safe thus far and with grace you'll lead me on oh yes for the beggar boy it was a way out it was a way to keep from starving to death You understand when Ruth returned with her mother-in-law, the corners of Boaz's field was a waste to the wealthy Brother Compton, but to Ruth, it was a way out. And then God thought so much of her that he had Boaz to tell some of his labors. Oh, by the way, fellas, as you're going along, make sure you drop some handfuls on purpose. I need to preach here just a few more minutes, and I need to close. Do you understand today? Amen. We're in a time when people are beaten down. We're in a time when people are under a load like I've never saw. We're in a time when people are cracking, their nerves are shot, they're wringing their hands, they're walking the floor, and the enemy and the adversary of their soul has caused them to believe, Brother Chris, amen, that they are nothing more than a waste. 
Oh, yes. There are people I'm preaching to today that's sitting among us. Amen. That your neighbor may not know it, but you are backslid on God. Amen. Hallelujah. You're in a place you've never been before. You're in an area, you're in uncharted territory. You have ventured out and never meant, Brother David, to ever wind up where you're at. But here you are. Oh, yes. Amen. Yes. Again, to this nominal world, to this secular society, they're always looking for that great elaborate movement that's going to bring, amen, that, I mean, that flashy revival era again. I'm here to tell you, brother, that is long since gone. Amen. And what God is using today, Brother Wilson, is those, hallelujah, amen, that that will allow him to use them, be it a harlot, be it a drunkard, God can take them and make something out of them. When I was a young preacher, I watched others walk by and snarl their nose. He meant when I was a young preacher, I was looked down on. I went places to preach, and the hierarchy sent me messages. If you go there and you preach to those people, we're done with you. I went to one revival. He meant I want a deacon. I seen a preacher get saved. I seen the song leader get saved. The song leader after 10 years goes to our church now. Drove an hour and a half. He been to come sit under this pastor. Are you listening to me? I seen 10 people, church leaders, get right in that meeting. Oh yeah, after they got saved, they got out of that church. They got in good churches. And them hypocrites asked me to come back and do it again. I say, brother, while they was looking at a waste, thank God, brother Mark Compton, there was somebody that was a way out to the poor and the needy and the weary and the worn. I got to hurry here. Most of those people I know what hadn't died are still saved and still go to good churches. Amen. And still love the Lord. But while others saw a waste, I'm glad that God saw a way out. And soon that little old preacher that everybody looked down on was preaching about 350 services per year. And I know you're wondering how I could do that. I can't. But I know a man who can. My preaching is limited. I am very elementary. But thank God for the grace of God that took someone as useless as I and has helped me to lead men out of the darkness. I was preaching a particular revival. This meeting went on for about six weeks. During that time, there was people that came to that meeting. It was in a hole in this church. And those people were working. I said they were working. And during that meeting, I remember they set a big trash can down. And there was people that were doing things unbeknownst to their pastor. They got to bringing things, Brother Mark, and throwing them in that trash can. 
Oh, yes. You see, there's a lot of things that go on unnoticed, but God knows who you are. I remember some of those young folks got a burden, and they got out and got to walk in the streets and inviting people to church. And they brought some old boys in there one night that I looked at, and I thought, whoa, whoa, I don't know how this is going to work out. Man, they come in there in their leather jackets on, big old chains around their neck, spikes around their neck, earrings all around their ear, their eyebrows, their tongues pierced, you name it. Looked like they'd fallen over in a tackle box somewhere. But, oh, I got to preaching. Amen. About two or three nights, one of them old boys came out of that pew, and he made his way to the altar, and he prayed, and he wept, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he wept. Well, he come back the next night, and there wasn't no change in him, Brother Wilson. I know what we would have done right there. We'd have discarded him. I mean, right there, buddy. We'd have met him at the back door. I must admit to you, I was somewhat frustrated. I thought I'd done seen a boy pray through. So he prayed that night, and I thought, this is it. He got it. But, oh, that wasn't it. He came back the third night. He'd never been to church. Nobody ever told him about Jesus. He didn't know anything about the Bible. He bet I got down there in his face and got to praying with him. And he said, Preacher, he said, I know Jesus saved me. He said, but I can't, I can't describe it. He said, I feel like I'm just so bound down. There are four or five of them big guns standing around there, Brother Mark. I said, buddy, can I help you out? He said, preacher, I want to be free. I reached over and started pulling chains out from around his neck. Oh, yeah. He been one of them about, about stroked out on me. I thought my wife was going to when I reached up in those old dirty greasy ears and got to pulling out that old cheap cankered gold and some of them had to work on for a long time but when we got him free he come up with both hands in the air and he said thank God I'm free I'm free to the world brother it was just a waste Amen. but for somebody that young man will be away out of the darkness thank God for deliverance. I gotta quit. I gotta quit. I'm preaching too long. I want to preach to you just another minute this morning. I'm preaching to folks right now. It feels like you're being swept up. You feel like that you're the off scare. You feel like that you're the has been. Nobody really knows, preacher. Nobody really knows. Listen to me. Amen. I'm preaching to folks this morning. God burdened my heart for the last month or so with this little old simple message. God began to unfold this stuff to me, and I have just barely touched the surface for sake of time this morning. Endeavoring to get through so somebody else can fulfill this pulpit. Do you realize that whether you agree with me or not, the holiness church needs you?
We need you. And I've watched too many, Brother Mark, go away off of my church pews that felt like that they were unwanted and useless because of crimes that they had committed. Some of the greatest men that has ever been known in time are those that the world, amen, and the hierarchy would discard and throw away and God would greatly use them. Oh, I'm not here to brag or boast. I've seen as high as 50 some people saved in one revival that I preached. They didn't all stick. Amen, but I've seen them saved by the grace of God. You're not a waste. You're a way out. And long after these hoary heads have gone to be at rest, Brother Mark, we're going to need that. We're going to need men that have left their fingerprints on the lives of these younger generations. Do you understand? I'm a parent. I've watched my children struggle. You have too, if you'll be honest. Mine ain't been super spiritual. And there's sometimes when he gets that way, and sometimes I get him that way. Brother Compton, we can't afford to lose another generation. And many of them are wringing their hands and saying, where do I fit in, preacher? Where, where? And I feel like that I have been looked down on, and some has been. Would you agree with me or not? And look into my eyes this morning. I've done it. I've done it. You are somebody. And remember I told you that that toe and that waste and that off-scouring and that least likely to sail was used to make ropes and cords. It was used for lamplight to be a light in the darkness. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? You may feel like that you're the toe. You may feel like that you've been swept to the side to be gathered in the dustpan and thrown into the garbage can. But there's somebody somewhere that'll pluck through the waste, that'll dig out the things, amen, that are ready to die and strengthen them for the coming journey, Brother Anderson. Oh, God, help me here. I've got to hurry. I've got to quit. Do you understand some 1,400 years later, I've seen another stalk that was cut down. Oh, yes. Sold by another man who loved and was greedy of gain. Sold by a man named Judas Issacharit for 30 pieces of silver. He meant, remember what I told you, how that that was, how that that flax stalk was laid up onto the rooftop and was dried? He meant, yes, sir, it was deep seated and soaked. 
Oh, yeah, until the fibers were loosed. Amen. And then redried. Can I tell you that's what they were doing when they took our Lord and our Master into the house of Caiaphas? Amen. They began to dry him out. Oh, they soaked him through and through. And they redried him again. But this time they would hang him in the hall of Pilate to totally dry him out. Tied to a whipping post, brother. Amen. Remember what they would do? They would take a hackle or a comb or a board with teeth and they would break those fibers away from that stalk in the time of Pilate's hall and in the time of Jesus Christ. It would not be a hackle or a comb, but it would be a cat of nine tails after beating him, friend, beyond recognition and cutting him to the ground. Guess what was left? A worthless, broken vessel. Are you hearing me today? Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. But do you remember what Jesus said? He said that he was the light of the world. Amen. But then he said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. When those Roman soldiers had beat him beyond recognition and cut him to the ground to lay and run and waste. Amen. They compelled him to carry his cross. Ah, yes. Amen. Until he fell beneath the weight of that cross. And they compelled a black man, Simon of Serene, to help carry that cross all the way up to Calvary's hill. Amen. They nailed him to that tree. Amen. Yes, sir. They lifted him up from the ground. Thus signifying the words, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. Amen. No doubt about it. He was that nail in a sure place. Amen. No doubt about it. That from Calvary's hill, Amen. He was the scarlet thread that hang out the window. And like Samson, friend, he would do more in his death than he did in his life. Did you hear what I said? He done more in his death. He done more death his weakness, brother. He done more in his death than he did in his life. To the Roman Empire and to many of the Jews, he was a waste. But to those that believe, Brother Mark, he's a way out. Huh? As he hung there between the heavens and the earth, he could have cursed humanity and condemned us to die. But what was it that he said? Uh, Father, he saw something in my clam when I didn't see it. He saw something in Gary Wilson when others didn't see it. He's a waste. He's a ruin. He's a shame. He's a reproach. Thank God, Brother Rich Denzel, when others looked at you and said he's hopeless, somebody believed in Rich Denzel. Woo! Hallelujah! 
and Brother Rich had become a pillar in the house of our God who has been my friend the way out for many wayward travelers. D.L. Moody said he was called to preach, a pauper by trade. He could barely read his name. He was illiterate. The first time I read about D.L. Moody, Brother Compton, he opened a little mission, a little storefront mission. And he had one congregation that night, one in the congregation. Know who it was? It's a little black boy who staggered in off the street. And they said that Brother Moody set him up on his knee. He said he opened his Bible, barely learning to read, and began to sound it out in syllables. For or God so loved the world. Who would have ever thought that D.L. Moody would become the founder of the Institute? Schools and colleges and homeless and so much the more. Wonder how many passed him by, Brother Compton, and said, He's a waste. And while they swept him to the side, God came by just before they'd pick him up and throw him away forever. He said, let me have that right there. I can use that fella. This morning I'm preaching to somebody who feels like you're a ruin and a waste. Brother Compton, can I give an altar call? Somebody will come to the music real quickly, whoever your selection is. I've meant to say more. I've tried to compile a lot into this small amount of time. But I want to ask for everybody across this building today to stand. And I'm asking for heads to be bowed and eyes to be closed. He said, and if I be lifted up, brother, the emblem of suffering and shame, hanging there between two thieves. Who did that man say he was? Well, fellas, he said he was the Son of God. He's not the Son of God. If he was the Son of God, he would come down and save us and save himself. See, there's a problem with those two men that day. They were worthy of death. I preached a message some years ago about to live or to live forever. See, one man wanted to live, but there was one man that wanted to live forever. The man that wanted to live said, save thyself and us. But the man that wanted to live forever said, leave him alone. He's done nothing wrong. But he said, remember me this day. Now come us to your kingdom. Jesus said today, you read about that old butler, didn't you? 
who told Joseph he'd remember him. Took him two years to recall him. But Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I don't know altogether why God dealt with my heart in the manner that he did. But God wants to use you today, friend. And I will agree, you have made some mistakes. I will not ignore the fact that you're who I'm preaching to. I will stand solely upon the Word of God and tell you that some of your selection has taken you to the place where you are right now. But you're not altogether a waste. And the Holy Ghost is sweeping around these seats this morning and you just felt the brush of it. And today you have become the clay in the hand of the potter. God wants to make you a rope. He wants to make you a torch. Every man to his own severability. But you're not a waste. You made a mistake. You faltered and you've fallen. While heads are bowed and the saints are praying. If I've preached to you this morning young, middle-aged, and old alike. The devil's told you you're a waste. He's told you that the best thing you could do is throw in the towel right where you are and just give it up right here and now. If I preach to you this morning while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you slip out and down one of these aisles come to this altar? And say, I'm not a waste, devil. I'm going to be a way out. I'm not a waste, devil. Would you come? (coughs) Would you come? There's others that needs to be on this altar this morning. I'm not preaching to just one and even two. But you have been so low. You have not hardly been able to even see the bottom where you're at. I feel the pull today. I feel the wood of the Holy Ghost. Would you come this morning? I need help, preacher. This preacher preached to us, and your labor's not in vain in the Lord. You're somebody, and God wants to use you. There's others this morning that needs help. Come, will you come? Some of you brothers come around these that are praying. I believe they're sincere. I love seeing sincerity. They're not a waste. (laughs) We'll need them today and we'll need them tomorrow. Somebody else needs to come. I feel feel the Lord dealing with hearts. There's others that need to pray. Come on, let's find us a place around these altars and let's pray. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.